everyone. I am calling all parents of young women between the ages of nine and 18 or young girls that are on their way there because I want to ask you a question. Have you ever wished you could see real smiles on the face of your daughter more often or again? Maybe you've wondered why she used to love school and now she's having trouble. Or maybe you've seen some changes in her sweetness that are not so sweet anymore. And then maybe you've seen her confidence waver and you want to help her fortify that and help her prepare for her adult journey or the journey ahead in her later childhood. But no matter what, all of these have to do with self-esteem. And our young ladies today really need some big doses of the real stuff, not the social media selfie-fed self-esteem, but the real stuff that will hold her up in the challenges that inevitably are going to come and the challenges in life. So I have a parenting workshop coming up that is totally free and totally priceless. It is called Ignite Their Joy, Five Steps to Growing Your Daughter's Self-Esteem in the Tween and Teen Years. It is March 14th through 18th, and you are going to want to register for this ASAP so you can make sure you have a seat in this virtual room that has limited guest space in it. You want to go and register now. You can find it at nellieharden.com slash ignite. So that's N-E-L-L-I-E H-A-R-D-E-N dot com slash ignite all lower, uh, lowercase I-G-N-I-T-E. And so go there, nellieharden.com slash ignite to grab your seat right away. So you can have this parenting gold to help your daughter grow and ground that self-esteem starting today. You guys, I will see you there. nellieharden.com slash ignite. Go register right away. Okay, guys. See you there. Hello and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy. Come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics, and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sipping iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. I have a very special guest on here today, Kelly Birmingham. Uh, it's so funny. I had a cousin growing up and it was the Kelly and Nellie show we would always talk about. And um, then I had a I had another friend in my adulthood named Shelly and it was the Shelly and Nellie show. So anyway, it was just kind of fun interviewing Kelly uh, today for you guys. 
Kelly is an entrepreneur and founder of The Motherhood, you guys. she It is a mentorship program for moms, and she's the creator of the Stressed Mom System for Creating More Joy. She lives in Spokane, Washington with her husband, Tom, and they've already raised their son, and now she is on a mission to help busy working moms create simple systems so that they can get this, stress less, and enjoy the journey more. Who does not want that, right? So through her life experience and journey, uh, which she is definitely still on, aren't we all? She has developed a passion for helping moms raise, raise good humans while maintaining their own sanity through mindfulness, grace, and confidence. And she helps women step into their own beauty and shine as their authentic selves. So through her own education and over 20 years of working in the educational system, she has discovered the power of listening to your own intuition and being authentically you. Let's dive into this conversation because there is some really rich material in here from a a reflection on a motherhood, uh, at least the 6570 part of motherhood, the high influence, high impact zone gone by, right? She's almost, as she says, twice uh, the 6570 now. And what she has realized from her time within that 6570 and how she has turned that around on a mission today. So let's go ahead and welcome Kelly and get started. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. You guys, I am so excited today. I've already told you a little bit about Kelly and all of the things that she has done and brought to the table in her wisdom and her caring, and I can't wait to start this conversation with you. So first of all, welcome to the show, Kelly. Well, thank you for having me, Nellie. I'm super excited to be here today. Oh, you're so welcome. You know, it's so funny. Um it just occurred to me after I said your name, my cousin growing up, her name was Kelly. And, and I had a really close friend a few years ago, also named Kelly. And so it was always the Kelly and Nelly show. Um, and it was just kind of funny. I was like, Oh, another Kelly. So, um, yep. Kelly and Nelly (laughs) coming at you today, all about family and moms. Um, so I'm excited to get, uh, this conversation going. And I think it's so important for people that are listening. And I can't wait to hear too, how you, you, you are obviously a leader in motherhood and family and helping uh, moms really produce those simple systems so they can stress less and enjoy the journey more, which is really the name of the game some days. And I want to know, how did this all come to be in your life? How did you get to this point that you are a leader in this space? Uh, it's a great question. Um, first of all, I just want every woman to know that a leader is someone who has influence. Mm-hmm. And so as a mom, I mean, what greater influence do you have in Absolutely. raising children? So we're all leaders, first of all. Yes. Um, but I had one son and my husband and I were just very involved in his life, wanted him to have the best possible childhood he could. And you walk through that journey. There's no manual, Mm. you know, you do the best you can. And I just always had that sense that I was meant to be a mom, but then they tell you get involved in your child's life, but nobody prepares you for what happens once they leave. Mm. And so I kept searching for like, what's next, what am I supposed to do? And I was working full time, um, very successful. I was a leader in my side gig, but I just kept felt feeling like there was something missing. And you can only mother your husband so much (laughs) 
before he gets tired of it. Um, but I was fortunate that I did work in education. I worked in career and technical education and career and college readiness. And so I worked with a very close knit group of staff, probably around like 40 to 50. And so I, I mothered them for quite a few years, um, but gave me a really good perspective on like what was changing in raising kids or what was happening to how we were raising kids. And so I just really paid attention um, to what I saw as some issues. But then my son, he grew up, he got married and I started to feel like, well, again, what's next? What is it? He has someone else to take care of him even when he's sick. And then um, we lost a family member, which really tugged at my heartstrings. I mean, anytime you lose a family member, but I started paying attention to what was happening to our younger moms right now. And I feel fortunate that I didn't have to raise my son with social media, but I'm watching moms be burnt out, stressed, have low self-confidence, feel like they're not doing it right because they see some perfect um, life on social media. And it really struck me that one, our time here is so short that I need to make a decision on how I want to finish living my life. And two, I really felt drawn to do something that would help these young women, because I mean, and statistically looking like we're losing a lot of young women because they can't handle that stress. And so that's where my motherhood project um, really started and creating the system because I think we can tend to make motherhood too hard. I think there are some really simple questions and systems we can put in place that would help us because it is our job to have influence over our children. Um, and we wanna make sure that we're having a good, a good influence over them. Right, absolutely. You know, there's these, um, I call them the, the inevitable impacts that are happening to your children. and you know, they are happening no matter what. And I even tell people, I'm like, they will even happen and you are impacting them, even if you're not there, you know? And so if you know, these impacts are happening, we might as well do them as best as we can, but yeah, these impacts are happening. I think about my own, you know, childhood and people that were, or weren't there they still play a huge role. I lost my, my dad when I was one, I was one when my dad passed away and he has played a huge role in my life, you know? And so it's just interesting to, to look back on those influences, those impacts that adults surrounding of someone's childhood have and know what impact that they have. So with your own family, with your, um, with your son and, uh, husband, so were you more aware of these when you were raising him at all, or did a lot of this, uh, observation and recording and, and really just opening your eyes happened afterwards, after he had left home. A lot of it happened after he had left. Yeah. Um, there were some things as you're going through it, but I think that's one of the things that has drawn me to do what I'm doing is to help other women not get to this point in their life where they possibly could look back and say, gosh, I really wish I would have done that different. And I think, you know, everybody's life is unique and you're going to make decisions that are best for you. But I just want to share my knowledge because I think, you know, I, I could shed some light onto something that maybe I have a regret over now that I could help somebody change while they still have their kiddos at home. Absolutely. You know, when you think of, um, 
something that your son may have had or didn't have when he left home. And I asked this because I was interviewing um, and uh, I guess uh, doing a project with actually last year, um, this mom and daughter duo and their entire premise is this, um, the, the daughter is an adult and they go back and they talk back and forth about what we could have done different back then and what it would have done now in order to educate, you know, people that are going through it right now. And it was really interesting to pair up with these two. And I just think back on, you know, on my own, what could have been something even as simple. I remember the first time I had to do my own load of laundry at college. And I was like, I don't know where the quarters go. I don't know what, what soap to put in. Do I put the dryer stuff during the wash stuff? I was so confused. And I was like, you know, this was probably something I should have um, learned when I was still at home. <laughs> home and figured out before it was just me and all my clothes and, um, I could ruin them all and then have not a dime to buy another pair of jeans. And so it was just kind of funny things like that, but also the deep emotional intelligence, you know, uh, pieces of that. And it's the, that confidence piece, it's the wisdom piece, um, and really confidence and wisdom and respect are the cornerstones for setting someone up for this Oops, for this life um, that they can live at their best uh, going forward. And so I'm curious with what you see now or what you experienced, what were some things that you're like, oh yeah, maybe I, I could have uh, worked on that a little bit better. And I say this prefacing not to throw you under the bus because we are all parents. We are all doing the best we can writing the book along the way. And I am not a perfect parent, uh, by any stretch. And we just do the best that we can every day. So I'm curious what we can learn from you in this aspect. Yeah. So we only had one child and my husband came from a bigger family. I came from just having one sister. And so we had a little bit different philosophy on what it's like to be part of a family, but we, we're under the same understanding that our child didn't ask to be born. We chose to have him. Mm. So we wanted him to have the best possible life that we could give him. So we were not a family where there were chores. Um, we were not a family where there was allowance. And so when I hear you talk about your laundry story, that is exactly like, those are some of the stories that come to mind for me. So my husband was always afraid that if he let him mow the lawn or do something like that, he might injure himself. And of course I just doted on him. So he did, he went off to college. He didn't know how to do laundry. He didn't know how to cook. And so, you know, he, then he, when he bought his first house, he didn't know how to mow the grass. He, so looking back, it's those little things that even if they're not a chore for your kid involving them so that you can be teaching them to be an independent person right. when they're older. So those are the sort of things that come, come to mind for me is he didn't have those basic skills, like even how to clean a house where I think where we raised him was a very small town. And one thing I think I would like parents to pay attention to is what, what is the atmosphere where you live? Like what is mm -hmm. going on for your child? Because looking back when we dropped our child off at college and he came home six weeks later. He was almost a totally different person. He stood taller. He held his shoulders back. He held his head high. And I mean, this was a kid who was really involved in school. He did sports. He did band. He, 
um, you know, was very active and had friends, but he, when he came home, he said, the town we lived in, like you're stereotyped from the first day you enter into that school system. Mm, mm -hmm. And he said he could remember the day we were driving him to college that he thought this is the opportunity to be who I really am and who I really want to be. And so I think those are even important conversations to have. I think we have them with our kids about just be yourself. Um, but are they able to is, is where you're raising them or the kind of atmosphere they're in allowing them to shine. So I find this topic very interesting because we've always lived in bigger cities, but six years ago, we moved to a very, very, very small town, uh, coastal North Carolina, very small town. And I can completely see where you're coming from. And also to flip the coin on that in that small town, there are a lot of influences where are they becoming someone that they're not because of some of those influences or are they not being able to be who they are because of those influences? And it is a really tight line to try and navigate as a parent. Um, and I think there's something beautiful and rich and amazing about small towns. Um, I grew up watching Gilmore girls, you know, and all the things. And I was like, oh, I want to live in a star's hollow. And I do live in a star's hollow now, but there's also a downside to that as well. But there's, there's so many upsides. There's so many downsides, right. With every decision in life. And I do find it very interesting, but when you I completely agree when you go off to college and I say this, I, I actually went to middle and high school in a very big city, right? It was a suburb of Detroit. Um, uh, it was, uh, called Birmingham and we, we, it was a, you know, very big metropolis type area, whatever. And I came in there in sixth grade and already in sixth grade, when we had moved there, I was already branded. I wasn't one of the ones that had had these friendships since kindergarten and had the, had the little league or the, you know, the little soccer photos with my second grade friends that we're still friends with today. Right. And it was hard. It was hard in middle school. Right. It didn't help that I had, um, permed bangs and straight hair. I don't know why I had that in 1980s, but I did. Uh, and that didn't help, but it was really hard going in there. And then I noticed going into high school, it was just a continuation because everyone from middle went over to the high. And I too agree that when I went off to college, which I went seven hours away from my home, how many hours did he go away? Uh, about five okay. passes open. It's a snowy mountain pass. So in the winter time, sometimes <laughs> they close it. Okay. All right. So when I came home, um, and I didn't come home until Thanksgiving, my, uh, my freshman year, they dropped me off and I didn't come home until Thanksgiving. I was probably, if you ask my mom, I was probably a much different person than two for many, many reasons, some good and some not so good, but I remember feeling like, okay, yeah, this is my opportunity to reinvent myself and not just be the kid that just came into the school, even though I was there for seven years, but man, it can be hard going into a new school system or a new town. Um, so with that, with the way that he had changed when he came back, um, how, how is he, you know, living or, and what is his view on that? And has he been able to maintain his own identity through his adult years? So he just flourished, um, when he got to college, he 
again, had a very tight, and he's always been like this, a very tight group of friends. Okay. Um, who he still is friends. He's actually skiing in Montana with them right now. And jealous. He, I know <laughs> he, um, I guess when he looks back on his childhood and I feel like we set him up with the proper thinking around how you can do things. So even though we didn't, he didn't have chores and didn't have to do things. He is a can do type of kid. He's going to figure out how to do it. He's either going to ask one of us, ask somebody else, look on the internet. Um, he's very independent and has become very, I don't want to say minimalist, but he, he lives a very comfortable lifestyle. Um, they are very outdoorsy. They like to hike and bike. And I say they, cause now he's married, but I think the combination of how we raised him, like being very loving, being open to conversations. He's one of those people that every time you meet somebody, they're like, I just love your child, which makes me happy. Um, but he also is someone who avoids drama. Mm. He, he, that's just not something. And I don't know if that came from where he grew up and like what we see happen in schools but he is just a, a very simple, happy person. So as you know, we talk a lot about self-discipline leadership in the 6570 family project and 6570 for any new listeners that we have, that's how many days we really have in this high impact, high influence time zone, 6,570 days or 18 years. But when you put it in the in the scope of days, it really puts it into perspective for you. Um, but that's really made up of four key pillars of vision and discipline and vulnerability and resilience. And I find that, you know, some people and the way that you're describing your son and, and, and yourself too, because this is for all of us, right? It's not just for our kids. We grow through this process of parenting too. It, it is 18 years of our lives as well. Not to say that as to your point that when they hit 18, you're like, check the box done peace out. Right. But your high impact, high influence zone does drastically shift after that time. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. You only get those first 18 years. And I say 18, if you're lucky, because my son left for college at the age of 17. Yeah. Same, same. I did too. I'm very, all four of my kids um, are going to be 18 when they leave uh, with the way their birthdays fell with the school calendar and what have you. But yes, I was 17 when I left too. And with those four pillars, I find that, you know, some people are naturally, uh, attune with some of them and then naturally deficient in some others, which means we, you know, need to help them work through those, especially in order to build that confidence, wisdom, and respect for others and wisdom, you know, that's academic, that is emotional intelligence. That is how to have a relationship. That is how to do laundry. You know, it is, it is all the things, um, in there. So, I, I hear you talking about with, with your son that maybe, you know, some of these things he was naturally gifted in, but you guys also as parents were able to massage some of those. And then he really got it when he was on his own and had to figure some of those things out on his own, because I mean, there's nothing like being out on your own when you find out what your weaknesses are. <laughs> right. Right. Oh my goodness. 
I do think as parents that that's something we need to pay attention to. So, you know, we take care of our child. We're involved in every aspect of their life from a young age. But there comes a point when you have to start teaching them how to fight their own battles or how to figure out a problem. And that's very hard as a parent, I think, especially as a mom, you don't ever want to see your kid make a mistake that's going to possibly affect their entire life or cause them harm. But as your child starts to develop and starts to grow, you have to find small ways to let them make those mistakes. Yeah. Because that's truly how they learn. Yeah. That's how they learn self-discipline is when they make a mistake that could possibly have a a drastic effect on their life, or even something as simple as, did you talk to the teacher yet about that? Like quit fighting their battles, especially in high school, (laughs) you know, quit fighting their battles, like teach them how to have conversations with adults and advocate for themselves. Absolutely. One of uh, my daughters, my 16 year old, she is doing a dual enrollment with high school and college right now. And so she's getting these college syllabuses or syllabi. I don't know. (laughs) And, um, but she's getting them. And, you know, first semester when she did this there, we had a few times that it was like, oh, there was an assignment due and I missed it because I didn't see it on this section of the syllabi or syllabus. And, and, you know, it was all this and we're like, you gotta, you know, you gotta do this. Here's a daily calendar for you, you know, and there was definitely some mess ups that she was able to, uh, reverse. In fact, one time she missed an entire exam. She was so focused on a bio final that she completely missed that she had a pre-calc test that day. And she was like, what? And it was built into that syllabus though, that if you, uh, whatever your lowest grade is on a test, um, you, whatever you get on the final, if it's more than that, it can replace that. Um, and so that entire grade, I mean, she was going into, um, you know, her final with a pretty nasty grade because she got a zero on one of those exams and, but she went in and she pulled out, I think she got like a 94. And so she was able to pull it out, but that was, that was a lesson she had to learn. And right now we are going to be looking at colleges this upcoming summer. Right. And so I told her she's home, uh, right now, uh, COVID shut down the school and what have you. So anyway, I was like, so we really, I really need you to be doing some, uh, research and figuring out best schools for this and what their programs are, because we need to be visiting this in like, you know, four or five months. And she's scared. And I totally get that. I was freaked out with that, but putting it into their hands to be able to be like, this is, this is your road. It's your path. How, you know, don't you want to be a part of where that goes? And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, having come from education world too, is, you know, some type of education after high school. So I think, you know, I like parents to understand that if your child decides not to go to a university, if they decide to start a community college or maybe go to a a technical vocational school, like it's our job to help guide them to experience things and and find their own path. And so just being, doesn't mean your kid is going to be a failure if they don't go to a university, because I don't know about you, but how much do you pay the plumber when he comes to your house? (laughs) A lot of money. A lot of money. um, Yeah. I think you're right. Like helping them helping them have a voice in what's going to happen in their future. Yes. 
And to that point too, I think it's really interesting. A lot of people are shocked to find out when we're just chatting with other friends that have kids around our ages. Um, as much as I think a 529 plan is amazing for saving money, we chose not to do 529 plans for our kids because we did not want to lock them into this path. So we, we have savings for them to do whatever it is that they're going to do. But being an entrepreneur for the last 20 years, I know so many amazing people that have gone on to do miraculous things that didn't step foot in a university once, but I also know many that have. And so we never wanted to lock them into a path and do that. Um, but yeah, so when we, when people find out that we don't have 529s and we have different uh, savings for them, they're like, you didn't do a 529. I was like, I didn't, you can only spend it on education. So I didn't want to you know, lock them in, um, to whatever that is. So it's, it's funny you mentioned that, but I want to touch back because I come from an animal background. Actually, I was a Marine, um, mammalogist and I worked in, uh, wild and, uh, captive work and all of this. And, um, going back simply with parenting, and it is kind of funny looking at the, um, the development, this childhood period of development across the animal world and human world, there's definitely some congruencies, uh, between there. And I think about like a, a bear, you know, they always call moms, mama bears and what have you. And so I think about that and we really are investing and giving our time and energy to these little ones in order to teach them how to do life on their own. And so when I think about all of these conversations or all of these tasks or all of these, you know, different experiences that they are having in their childhood, I'm like, okay, right now we're learning this lesson so that they know how to do X, Y, Z after they leave home. Of course, I'm always going to be here just like you are for your son but I'm just, I'm, I'm curious on your view of that and now versus how that's changed now versus before, because it really is preparing them for life after childhood. Right. So, so are you asking, I'm sorry, I'm kind of confused of what the okay. question is. I'm like, like how, how can we help prepare them through those lessons? Yeah. So I'm just curious because of your experience with parenthood and now your experience with your coaching and helping these moms and really has that lens shifted for you in really helping prepare, helping moms, uh, de-stress and have this focus, uh, or not focus, but have this viewpoint of, I really am kind of preparing them to go forward, um, in this motherhood journey. Yeah. So I think just like you mentioned how we help our kids, I mean, that's what I'm doing through this program is kind of helping moms step back a minute, take a look at things, um, figure out like, are they living in accordance with their values? Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's something we would do with our kids. Like, why did you make that decision? Is that important to you? And so really just helping women kind of take that pause and I know we're busy. And so I've designed the course so that it, it can be quick and easy. Um, but I think when it, it's the same thing we do with our kids, when we ask them to slow down, like even when they're like on the playground, slow down, if you run too fast, you're going to trip over something. And mm -hmm. so it is just, it's the same concept. It's um, I think having lived through it, it and I just, 
like you, when we first started, you were talking about COVID and how you guys have to, you know, on a dime, just switch what you're doing. And I just think that those, if a parent can figure out for themselves how to slow down, work through the process, they're modeling that for their child. And I believe that that is our children watch what we do, right? We always say, don't do what I do what I say, don't do what I do, but they're watching. They're going, they're either going to learn to do it from you, or they're going to be like, man, I never want to be like that and change. And so I think it's that, I don't think we ever as moms quit, or maybe it's even just as women, but I don't think we ever quit having that need or desire to help nurture somebody along, not always do it for them, but give them the, ask the right questions to help them arrive at the answer themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to pivot, um, just a little bit and talk about, because you really, um, talk about healthy relationships and boundaries and what are some of the healthiest boundaries that you can see that the listeners, uh, today can kind of take and start utilizing or working on in order to take that stress level down, right. Even in COVID times, even when the schedule is like one day on or something on Tuesday and something else on Wednesday, what are some good boundaries that these uh, moms can start uh, creating? Yeah. So I think one is creating some boundary that if you need some quiet time, like create that boundary in your house so that your kids know, um, I always look back and one of the things I laugh at the most is it didn't work to put my son in timeout. So I used to put myself in timeout. I used to say, just give me a few minutes and I would just, you know, like sit behind a door so I could hear what he was doing. But I think boundaries, as far as your, your space and your time, like I just need one minute to take some deep breaths in the car before I come into the house. Um, maybe for your kid, like, Hey, I, while I'm making dinner, I just want you to take five minutes to go maybe for Maybe for that kid, it's go in your bedroom and dance to some music that makes you happy. Or So I think boundaries around creating space and time for what's going to refill your cup, recharge your battery. Mm. I think that's important. I think a lot of, um, whether you're a working mom or even a stay-at-home mom, is creating some boundaries around, like if I'm sure all your listeners are listening because family is one of their top core values, right? Sure. And so I think it's really it, it becomes really easy at work um, to just keep saying yes to things. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom, it becomes really easy to keep saying yes to the PTA or the school because they know you're a stay-at-home mom. And so creating some boundaries around what you're willing to do and not willing to do if it's going to take time away from your family. Um, because I was listening to another podcast one day and she said, you have to think about what it's going to cost, not only in your time, and your money, but what is it going to cost in, in the influence that someone else is having over your child? Mm. Like if you're not there and your child is with someone else, like they're having the influence over your child. Um, so definitely, I think it's creating that space to refill your battery. It is learning to put things through that no funnel, right? Does it align with my core values? Do I have time on my calendar? Do I really want to do it? Um, So those would be two of the biggest boundaries that I could think of for moms, because I think those are the, those are the two I see the most that are affecting women. They just were people pleasers. We want to make everybody happy. And so we say yes. And we take time doing things that maybe aren't the best for us. 
Yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been such a great conversation. And I honestly, as we were going, I thought of like three other uh, things that I could ask you, but we are running out of time. So before we do, can you let us know um, is where we can find you? And uh, so the listeners can go check you out. Yep. So the best place to find me is on Instagram and it's less underscore stressed underscore moms. And there is a link in my bio where listeners can go um, get a freebie. They can sign up to be part of a community so they can be the first to know when the course is launched. But um, I just try to share some guidance and, and tips on Instagram that I wish I would have known when I was a young mom. And I think that's invaluable, honestly, having gone through the entire process, I mean, I'm almost there with one of them. It's kind of crazy. Uh, you know, she'll be 17 in just a couple of months, be still my heart. And, um, and then I have uh, two 14 year olds and a 12 year old behind her. So yeah, it, it yeah. comes so fast. It, it really does. does. And I look back on pictures when they were just so little. And it was just, it was just the six of us. It was our little tribe of six and, uh, which I guess isn't so little, but it was our little tribe of six and they were little and we would just go hand in hand everywhere. And I, I miss those days sometimes, uh, because it was, it, it was physically exhausting, but, um, there was so much less pressure back then with the, uh, talking about mom stress, you know, with everything that's happening with the world and social media, they didn't have phones back then, you know, it was just so much easier back when they just had to hold your hand across the street. Yeah. And one of my son's favorite things when he would make a mistake and he would, he would yell mulligan. He wanted a do-over. And I think, I think, you know, like motherhood there is, you don't get a mulligan. There is no mulligan. mulligan. You get one shot at it. So, um, I just really am thankful for you having me on here because I really just want moms to understand, like you said, they get, you know, 65, 70 days. I'm almost double that already. Um, and so just slow down. Like when, when your kid grows up and leaves the house, think about how many more years that you have of your life Mm. to keep doing what you want to do. And so really just immerse yourself and in that time with your kids, Mm. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was a gift and uh, I can't wait to, I'll put all of your information in the show notes and so people can come and find you. Great. Thank you so much, Nellie. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that wanna love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, nellieharden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question 
please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you loved the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.